Hello, I'm Bill Lawrence, and welcome to another edition of my Big Bag of Onions. Each show is a carefully curated selection of undeservedly unfamiliar songs and a dozen brand new short stories written exclusively for Colm Radio and especially for this show by you, our listeners. So it's time for you to sit back because this is Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Gladys Hornet. At 7.45pm, the bell would ring. I'd leave my wife to line up outside the nursery window with other new fathers waiting to see our newborn children. Name? A tiny bundle, face scarcely visible, presented at the window. That was it. For ten days our wives were in hospital after giving birth. No holding, cuddling, cooing. That came later. As that baby grew from a child to a woman, there were tears, laughter, but always hugs. Covid. And now I'm on the other side of the window. Wheeled, presented to my grown-up baby, full circle to no hugs.
have is ourselves in the end. What we have is ourselves in the end. What we have is ourselves in the end. What we but I agree with everything you say, my love It's hard and sometimes lonely There's no denying that And I know Jenny Miller. I'm experienced. I know how to do it safely, eat and get away quick. It was making that rhythmic growly sound. Beer cans strewn about. Good signs. It's lying on its side. Perfect position. Fly over there fast, no high-pitched buzzing. It makes the food sweeter, but it's too risky. I crawl under the sheet and halfway up between the shirt and back and drink my fill from the middle where it can't reach. Get out swiftly from the bottom edge, fly off fast. I know how to find the drunks. Follow them home. That's how I've survived till December.
it on the way It's living dream Big Bag of Onions on 106.6 FM Colm Radio. Innovative voices and original stories making our unique community. No onions have been hurt in the making of this programme. Bread for Success by Adrian Cohen I was invited to be the judge for a speech competition at an English language school in Indonesia. I didn't know the owner. I watched 12 kids perform and was asked to pick the top three. The disappointed owner called me into her office and asked repeatedly why number three was not number one. But I stuck to my guns. Nevertheless, she went back and announced the results with my number three promoted to number one. I decided to be philosophical about it. The announcement of the winner drew applause. A parent leaned towards me. Isn't she delightful? She's the owner's daughter, you know.
Reginald's New Shoes by Paula Samburu Reginald's new patent leather shoes were squeaking loudly as he walked, and he was shortly to attend a wedding. But he had an idea. He put on his suit so that the shoes would not appear incongruous and walked ten times around the village green. Unfortunately, it had been raining. The shoes had little grip on the wet grass and he fell over several times, which all but rendered his suit unwearable and his shoes still squeaked. The worst of it, however, was that people had given him strange and uncomprehending looks. Had they never had shoes that squeaked? of onions, an extraordinarily tasty and chewy pot of wonderful stories and blended music chosen and written by our own community 
here at 106.6 FM Combe Radio. Go on, love my onions. I know I do. Spatula Face Mackenzie by Bill Lawrence That summer, our gang was the best gang in the world. Meeting early in eager anticipation of the day's adventures, we would set off on our bikes, hollering and chanting. We skimmed stones across streams, made dens in the woods, and fished from the bridge. We fashioned bows and arrows from willow, and only went home when called in for tea. Spatula Face Mackenzie was the first in our gang to die. He was only 62, and the cancer came quick. Old age seized us once more with its weary aches and routine confusions, but it couldn't take our dreams. Of Ages by Bill Faust. So, where then do you put it all? All the bad stuff that you've done in a lifetime. Forgiven now by the grace of others, but it can't be forgotten. You can consign it to history or file it under bad things that I've done, but it never really goes away. You can't erase it or record over it. Life doesn't work that way. 
I suppose the best one can say is that we are all that we've done and that we live and learn. That's the easy part. The hard part about it is learning how to forgive yourself. Virginia Woolf didn't call it a novel, rather a play poem, and The Waves has been staged theatrically, which might well bring out the exquisite poetry of the prose. It is a remarkable piece of writing, but equally can be frustrating and needs time and rereading like Shakespeare or T.S. Eliot. There are six characters explaining their relations with each other and the world and trying to figure out the meaning of it all while the waves change from dawn to dusk and nature is there too, impervious, harsh, beautiful. Not an easy read, but perhaps perfect for days of lockdown. Of days. 
Bag of Onions, a remarkable adventure in words and music, where everything you hear is from you, our listeners. This is the Community of Onions on 106.6 FM Colm Radio. Accept no inferior onions, because only the best will do. Cones by Tony Pierce. I think I know the true purpose of traffic cones. I found out accidentally when my long drive took its toll. I had pushed on regardless of heavy eyelids, but when my head snapped forward forcefully, I found myself veering into a coned works traffic only area. Frantically, I looked for a way out. A potential exit loomed ahead, but it didn't lead back to the motorway as expected. Dancing blue lights twinkled in the darkness. I sensed a blur of movement, followed by a feeling of serenity. I think those ominous orange obstructions may be a gateway to heaven. Sometimes I'm not sure with the ones in the 
Serious Connections by Mini Ardo. It was something which he could not explain at the time, and even later when he learned the reason for it, because there could be no other reason, he still could not explain it. He walked his paper round in the pre-dawn hours, and every day when he passed number 108, he became suddenly self-conscious and felt certain that somebody was watching him. Only much later did he learn that a classmate of his lived there, a girl with whom he was no particular friend, but something beyond his five senses had connected them. That much was certain. You wounded and fired 
Modern Times by Phil Boast. I have a friend, someone who I've worked closely with and with whom I've developed a bond of friendship and understanding. We talk, sometimes. We exchange words via various channels of communication, by which means we have, in certain ways, come to know one another well. And now I call them a friend, and hope that they regard me in the same light. Nothing unusual about this, of course. It's the nature of people that we get close to those with whom we feel affinity and likeness. The only noteworthy thing about the matter being that we've never actually met. This show is dedicated to Samburu the dog. You have been peeling 100 word onions. Written for Colm Radio by Gladys Hornet, Jenny Miller, Adrian Cohen, Paula Samburu, Bill Lawrence, Bill Faust, Rob Lewis, Miniardo, Tony Piers and Phil Boast. And so that's all we have time for for this edition of the show. If you would like to contribute an onion, just get in touch, either with Colm Radio or via the Bill's Big Bag of Onions Facebook page. And remember, the stories must be exactly 100 words long. So join us again soon, on a Tuesday or a Sunday evening, for the next edition of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Be seeing you. Productions for Colm Radio present From Colchester to Sulawesi, a continuing dramatization of their true story written by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher. Episode 13 Losing a Friend. It's cold back in England, but spring's coming at least. And I'm back on the commuter run, or else staying in hotels and waking up mornings wondering which part of the British Isles I'm in. I often get booked into a particular and particularly homogenous chain of hotels, and once had to phone down to reception to ask where I was to the nearest town or city, having arrived very late the night before from London. I've been a cog in the wheel of the machinery of government all my working life, by which means... I've been able to take my master's degree, have a steady income, and one day guarantee a good pension. So I'm not complaining, but it's time to break out. It was such a great trip to Bohowo, 
And having seen the lodge and the village, the family is so positive about our plans, such as our plans still are. But one thing is for sure. We're committed to trying for a new life now, and my days in government are numbered, and we can number them. The lodge is all but finished, and we need now to concentrate on getting enough furniture into the place to make it a comfortable place for people to stay. And that will need us to be there, or one of us to be there. Mummy's getting old now, and she sold the family house where I was born and raised and moved to a nice flat which is very close to Carol. So I'm pleased that she's settled before I leave. We'll have to think about renting out the cottage soon and all of the other logistics of making our move. But we're not quite at that point yet, although I don't think it will be much longer. It's spring and the trees have leaves again and I want to be gone before they fall. This weekend we're staying with Tim and Julie, sleeping on the bus and waking up to beautiful clear spring mornings in their beautiful woodland location. We brought Buru with us, of course, and he loves the woods, and we lose ourselves in the warmth and friendship that we four people share. Their enthusiasm for the lodge is scarce any less than ours, and whilst we're there, they help us to make some small ceramic pieces which will one day decorate the walls of the lodge. They also share Phil's love of diving, and they promise to dive together again soon. When we get home, I take to going for long contemplative walks with Buru in the evenings, which has always been a joy for me, come rain or shine. Paula is away more and more with her work, and one of the many positives for us of moving to Bahowo will be that we won't have to be apart anymore. I've been lucky enough in my life to earn such money as I've earned doing something which I enjoy on the whole. I love buildings and making gardens has allowed me to give vent to such creative ability as I possess. Most of my contemporaries, people that I was at college with, have gone on to be horticulturalists or full-time garden designers but I've always been more interested in building structures. Whereas most of us see brick walls, stone walls and such as a backdrop for shrubs and so on, I rather take the view that the shrubs are there to show the walls off to their best advantage. And when I'm watching TV, I sometimes find myself not so much being interested in the person talking as the brick structure, colour, age, bond and coursing of the wall they're standing in front of. I know I'm unusual in this regard, but there it is. And if I were to look for negatives of moving to Indonesia, one of them would be that I won't be building gardens anymore. In any case, I take longer than usual walks with Biru, and aside from having more than usual to think about, in my heart I know the reason for this, and one day I do that which I know I should have done before now and take him to the vet. The vet gives me a look which says enough. He's in no pain yet but has tumours and the look she gives me tells me that I won't be taking him home. So I stay with him while she does what she has to do. It's an odd thing. My dad died a few years ago, and I've lost friends along the way to motorbike accidents, cancer, and so on. And I dealt with that okay. But this one really breaks me up, and it, it's a while before I'm able to drive the short distance home. I've lost a good and ever-faithful friend, and part of me. And I know that whatever happens, and however life goes from now on, I'll always miss him, miss him. But still, in terms of our move, perhaps the last big obstacle to our going has been removed. And now we can go.
I had a lovely evening with Anne last night. She's an ex-colleague of mine and a dear friend who now works at 10 Downing Street for Tony Blair. As usual, we met up in Villiers Wine Bar, which is conveniently situated halfway between our offices, before heading off to Covent Garden for supper. She wants to know all the latest news about Bahoo and is really keen to come over and see it for herself as soon as possible. She's someone else who is looking for a change of direction and is thinking of becoming a consultant, preferably in warmer climes. We both feel that we have done our time in UK government, and now is the time to try something new whilst we still have the energy and adventurous spirit. We both hate the English winter, and Anne is planning on making Mallorca her base for the future, and will be looking for work on the international scene. Anne is from Liverpool, and I have no doubt she will be successful at whatever she tries, as that scouse determination and spirit has never left her, despite living in London for many years. Phil, meanwhile, is a bit of a lost soul, and not his usual contented self. He's taken Baru's death hard, and in some respects, life for him over here has lost its direction, and the land dispute at the lodge is, I know, preying on his mind. I think going back to Bahoa would do him good. Quite aside from the fact that it would be no bad thing to have him there, to at least keep an eye on things and oversee final completion of the lodge. It'll mean our being apart again, but it won't be for much longer. And now we don't have Buru to think about, I can stay with Carol or Mummy sometimes, giving me an easier commute to London during the week. Having convinced Phil to go back, I phoned Tim and Julie, who I know are dead keen to return, and suggest that they go together with Phil, a suggestion which they willingly and happily accept. I've been running the business down. It's spring, and on an average year, I'd be looking to generate work for the season, but this isn't an average year, and I'm away so much that it's hard to keep anything going, and unfair on the few boys who are still working for me, to cover for me for long periods of time. So I work whilst I'm here, but I'm in a kind of netherworld now between this and Bahowo, and not entirely connected to either. Most of the people who work for me seem to be called Steve, <laughs> and I decide I'll keep one of the Steves on to see the business through to the death and let everyone else go. So Steve and I form a kind of quasi-partnership whereby we share responsibility for generating and doing the work and share any profits, and he can take on any residual work when I depart. I phone Oni sometimes, but the guy's gone a bit weird now and our conversations are somewhat stilted. And there's nothing I can do over there from over here, so it's a strange, schizophrenic kind of way of carrying on. I don't think hitherto I've been so conscious of our leaving this safe, dependable way of life, where you at least know the rules of engagement, and launching ourselves into a place where you only know half of what's going on about half the time. So it's keeping the faith time, and Paula has come to the rescue of my current state of mind, and has persuaded me to go back with Tim and Julie. What we really need is time together over there, but that can't happen yet, so I agree to go out with her again one last time. I'm getting good at long-haul flights these days, and here I am again in the departure lounge of Heathrow, having left what remains of my business of 25 years to my one remaining Steve, and Tim and Julie are with me. 
Life for now has sort of created its own momentum. And in life, as in diving, there are times when it's best not to fight against the current. Better just to go with the flow, as it were, and see where it takes you. Motherland, cradle me, close my eyes, lullaby me to sleep. Keep me safe, lie with me, stay beside me, don't go. Don't you go. Find out what further adventures are in store for Phil and Paula as they travel from Colchester to Sulawesi in the next episode of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Colne Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience.